0: Welcome to Soccer, A Perspective for Parents, where we'll be discussing what the coach and the refs really wish you, the parent, knew about the beautiful game. The goal of this podcast is to bridge the knowledge gap between the parents, that's you, and the coaches and refs. We'll attempt to explain the game and rules in a way that you can understand. That way, when you're out there watching Timmy, you can just enjoy the game. Okay, today we're going to be talking about Laws 3 and 4, which are the players and the players' equipment. If you want to follow along, go to the show notes. Those will be at the webpage Soccer, a perspective for You can also in there, there's also a link to the laws of the game where you can download them so you can follow the laws of the game as I go through so you can actually see the actual wording from the laws of the game. All right. So law three, the players, number of players. This is, I'm going to try and get through this pretty quick because there's not much fluff to these. First off, you must have two teams, of course. The teams consist of 11 players and one of them has to be a goalkeeper. You have to have more than seven players to be able to start the game. If a player leaves the field deliberately, making the team less than seven players, the ref doesn't have to stop the match. If a stoppage happens in play, it cannot be restarted until the team has a minimum of seven players. So say somebody gets hurt. Okay, so let's say you have seven players. Somebody gets hurt. They step off the field for a minute. The play just keeps going. But if there's a stoppage of any kind... You have to wait till that player gets back on the field to start the game. If he can't get on the field, they call the game. If the competition rules say that all players and subs must be named before kickoff, so be on a list of players and subs, if they have less than 11, only the players and subs that are on that list at the beginning of the match can start. So you can't have less than 11 and grab Joe Schmo off the side and throw him in there because you're down players they have to be named on that list that you give prior to the start all right so number of substitutions FIFA confederations and football associations can allow a maximum of five players for an official competition the exception to this is first team uh first team of clubs in top division so think uh Man U Chelsea people like that Or senior A international teams. So think, uh, the A level teams of like Spain and Germany and England and teams like that. They only get a max of three subs and this applies to men's and women's teams. If you go to the competition, the rules must state how many subs may be named. They can have from, they can decide between three and 12 subs that people can name. And if you get an an additional sub for extra time or OT, we, some people call it. If you get that extra sub, it doesn't matter if you've already used all subs or not. So like, if you use, you don't have to use all three subs to get that extra sub if they name that extra, if they allow that extra sub. National 18 matches can have between 12 subs and use a max of six subs. If teams reach an agreement before the match to increase subs, And if the ref is informed before the match, then the match can use more subs. If neither are in place before the match, then the 12 and 6 stands. So if two teams come together and say, hey, we want to use 18 subs for this match, as long as they agree beforehand and let the ref know, cool, no fun, no harm, no foul. Return subs. So somebody that subs out and then subs back in is only allowed in youth, veterans, disability, and grassroots football. And that is subject to agreement of the Football Association, Confederation, or FIFA. All right, the substitution procedure. This is important because people screw this up all the time. Before the start of a match, the names of the subs must be given to the ref. If the name is not on that list, the sub cannot take part in the match. So this applies at all levels. You can't just grab somebody and throw them in. It applies at all levels. For the substitution to take place. Ref must be informed before the substitution. So you have to say like, Hey, ref, I want to sub and the player being substituted. So the player coming out has to get the ref's permission to leave the field unless they're already off and must leave by nearest point on the boundary line. Unless the ref directs the player to leave at the halfway line or some other place. So if you're on the far side of the field from the substitution, you can just step off on the others on the far side of the field. It's just a lot of people like to go off at the halfway line, and sometimes the referee wants you to go off at the halfway line because it's easier for him to track. And once you sub out, you must immediately go to the technical area or dressing room, and you cannot take part in the match anymore, except for when they allow return subs. But like we said, that's only in youth, uh, veterans, disability, and grassroots football. By the way, grassroots football, just so you know, is like adult league and stuff like that. If the player decides he doesn't want to sub out, oh well, he's not subbing. We're going to continue the match. Subs can only enter during uh, a stoppage in play at halfway line after the player they are subbing for leaves the field and after receiving a signal from the ref. So you have to wait. You have to do all those before you can sub on, sub onto the field. The sub is complete when the guy subbing in enters the field. All sub players and subs are subject to the ref's authority, even if they play or not. Just so you know, the ref is subject, everyone's subject to the ref's authority in soccer. This includes the coaches and fans watching the game. The ref is really the ultimate authority when it comes to that soccer field. Subbing out a goalkeeper or changing the goalkeeper, because you don't have to sub them. You can, you can switch them with players on the field. Any player may replace the keeper as long as you let the ref know that you're changing. And the change is made in a stoppage in play. I don't know why you'd want to change the keeper when there's not a stoppage because changing the keeper takes a lot of time, but you have to do, but both of those have to be done before you can change the keeper. Offenses and sanctions. If a name sub starts instead of a name player and the ref is not informed ahead of time, ref allows the sub to continue playing. There's no disciplinary action taken against that name sub. Name player can be name player that can then become a named sub. And the number of subs is not reduced. But the ref does report the incident to the appropriate authorities. And they will likely take some kind of disciplinary action later towards the club, not the player. If you're going to make a sub during halftime or before you start extra time, the actual procedure still has to take place. So, like, the sub still has to come to half field. The sub stop, you know, and they switch. All that has to happen before they can start. They can't just, you can't just put them on the field. The actual... Subbing procedure has to take place. And if it does not take a place, the name sub continues to play. There's no disciplinary action taken to him, but it is reported to the appropriate authorities. Once again, they'll probably take actions off the field. If keeper change happens without the ref's permission, you allow play to continue, but you caution the caution both players during the next stoppage in play. If it happened during halftime, or before extra time or before PKs begin, you don't give a caution. If any other offenses happen, you caution the player. And you restart play for, with an indirect free kick from where the ball was at when the play was stopped. And just for more education. Indirect free kicks are free kicks that can't be taken at the goal. So if you shoot it at the goal and it goes in, no goal. It has to hit somebody before it goes in. A direct free kick is a shot. You can take a shot on goal. And the way you can look at a referee and be able to tell the two is in an indirect free kick. He'll stand and he'll put his hand directly in there like he's raising his hand to ask a question. A direct free kick, he'll point at the goal. But that's just for just say so you no, know, and just to help close the knowledge gap there, because you'll be hearing that a good bit. Indirect free kick, direct free kick, and that doesn't come in until law uh, twelve, I believe. Players and subs sent off. A player that is sent off before the team list is submitted cannot be on the list in any capacity. If he's sent off after named on the team list and before the kickoff, he can be replaced by a sub, and the sub cannot be replaced. The number of subs on the team. Will not be reduced. So it's kind of like subbing without using a sub. If the player is sent off after kickoff. Then he cannot be replaced. You just lose a player on the field. So basically what's being said here. Is if he's sent off before. You hand the list to the referee. You can't. His name can't be on that list at all. If you hand the list over. And then he gets sent off. He gets a red card. But the kickoff hasn't happened yet. You can replace his spot on the field. You can you can put a player in to replace him and you don't lose a sub. If he's gets the card after kickoff starts, then it's just your typical red card and you can't replace you can't replace him. Extra person's on the field of play. Coach and other officials named on the team list are team officials. Players and subs are not team officials. Anyone not named on the team list is an outside agent. If anyone enters the field of play, the ref must only stop play if it interferes with the play. Have the person remove when play stops and take appropriate action from there. So discipline how is needed from there. If play is stopped and interference was by a team official, a sub, somebody subbed out or sent off player, play restarts with a direct free kick or PK depending on where it happened. If it's an outside agent, so like think a player running on the field, the player will sorry, not a player, think a fan running on the field, play will restart with the drop ball. If the ball is going into the goal and the interference does not prevent the defending player from playing the ball, goal is awarded if the ball enters the goal, even if a contact was made with the ball, unless the interference was by the attacking team. Player outside the field of play. If a player that requires ref's permission to re-enter the field re-enters without permission, the ref must stop the play, not immediately if the player does not interfere with the play, or match official, or if advantage can be applied. Caution that player that re-entered without permission. If a ref stops play, it must be restarted with a direct free kick from the position the interference occurred, or an indirect free kick from the position of the ball when the play was stopped if there was no interference. A player who crosses the boundary line as part of playing movement does not commit the an offense. Basically what they're saying there is like if you're chasing the ball and you have to run around somebody and you run out of bounds and then run back into bounds. That, that's not, it's not a offense that doesn't apply here. They're saying if you were standing on the side, like say you got hurt and you're standing on the sideline and you're waiting to get back on, like if, if you get hurt and get escorted off so that the trainers can look at you, you, you have to stand out there until the referee waves you back onto the field. Like you can't just jump back into the field. So what they're saying is there is, if that guy just runs back onto the field, the guy that was got treatment just runs back onto the field, that's who this applies to. Goal scored with an extra person on the field of play. If a goal is scored and the ref realizes an extra person was on the field when the goal is scored before he restarts play, the ref must disallow the goal if the extra person was a player, sub, sub player, Sent-off player or team official of the team that scored the goal. Play is restarted with a direct free kick from the position of the extra person. If it's an outside agent who interfered with play, play is restarted with a drop ball. The ref must allow the goal if the extra person was a player, a sub, a sub player, a sent-off player, or a team official of the team that conceded the goal or if the outside agent didn't interfere with the play at all. In either case, the extra person has to be removed from the field of play before we can restart play. If a goal is scored and the play has restarted, and then the ref realizes an extra person was on the field of play when the goal was scored, the goal must be disallowed. If the extra person is still in the field of play, the ref must stop play, have the extra person removed, and restart with a drop ball or a free kick as appropriate so direct free kick and direct free kick whichever one the ref must then report the incident to the appropriate authorities number 10 the team captain he has no special status or privileges he has does have some responsibility for how his team is behaving law 4 players equipment number 1 safety nothing deemed dangerous this is where the rule that covers the difference between soccer cleats and non-soccer cleats basically Basically, baseball and football that a lot of parents try and go by. The reason you can't have baseball cleats in in soccer or baseball and football cleats in soccer is they have that front toe cleat that is considered dangerous. And that's why you can't use them in soccer. All jewelry must be taken off and cannot be covered by tape. Players are inspected before the match starts and subs before they come on the field. In youth, they'll generally inspect everybody before the game starts. That way they don't have to check everybody uh when they sub in because they don't have that fourth official to check the player before they come on. If the players wearing anything they shouldn't, the ref will tell them to remove the item. And if they refuse or are unwilling to comply, they'll leave the field at the next stoppage. Player that does not comply or puts it back on after they've been told to take it off will be cautioned. Number two, compulsory or required equipment. The equipment the player must have is a shirt with sleeves. Shorts, socks, any tape or material that you're going to wear externally around uh, on the sock must match the color of the sock that's underneath it. The shin guards, they must be made of a suitable material and covered by the socks and footwear. Goalkeepers can wear tracksuit bottoms. Players must replace any accidentally lost shoes or shin guards as soon as possible and no later than when the ball goes out of next play. If they play the ball and or a goal is scored, then the goal stands colors. The two teams must wear two, two different colors that differentiate them from each other and the match officials. Usually in youth, if the match officials have, or if the match officials match either team, being the refs, that the refs match either team, they'll change it just to make it easy on the teams. Refs are supposed to have multiple colors and colors that most teams aren't going to use. Goalkeepers must wear colors that distinguish them from everybody else. If two goalkeepers are wearing the same color and they don't have different colors, then they can go ahead and you can go ahead and play the match. Undershirts must be single color, which is the same color as the main color of the shirt sleeve. or the pattern color must replicate the shirt sleeve. That I don't really understand, so don't I wouldn't worry about that for you. Under shorts tights must match the main color of the shorts or the lowest part of the shorts. Players on the team must wear the same color. Other equipment. Non-dangerous protective equipment made of soft, lightweight, padded material is allowed. So think uh, headgear, face masks, knee pads, arm pads. Goalkeepers can wear caps and you're also allowed to wear sports glasses. Those caps for the goalkeepers I think have to have a soft bill though. Head covers when they're worn. This excludes goalkeepers caps though. Must be black or the same main color as the shirt. Be in keeping with professional appearance of players' equipment, not attached to the shirt, and not be dangerous to anyone, and not have anything protruding from it. So you can't have a bill. Electronics equipment. Players cannot wear or use electronic or communications equipment. Team officials, though, may use small, mobile, handheld equipment. So think microphones, headphones, earpiece, mobile phones, smartphones, smartwatch, tablets, and laptops. It has to be directly related to player welfare and safety or for coaching reasons. Any team official who is using unauthorized equipment or who uses the equipment inappropriately will be sent off. Electronic Performance and Tracking Software, EPTS. When used in match, match organizers will ensure that the tech is not dangerous and meets standards set by FIFA. When the match organizer provides it, The organizer will assure that the information that's transmitted out is accurate and reliable. These are usually the little, you'll see them a lot of times in pro and higher level. They wear these little things across their chest. That's what they're talking about. Five, slogans, statements, images, and advertising. No political, religious, or personal slogans, statements, or images on any equipment. You can't reveal your undergarments that have any political, religious, personal, slogans statements uh images or advertising the logo of the manufacturer on the shirt is allowed though and any offense will be sanctioned this is more at the higher level uh youth soccer doesn't really deal with this but i'm giving y'all the laws, so let's just go through it principles this law applies to all equipment including clothing that's worn by players subs sub players and it also applies to team officials in the technical area if you need a refresher on what technical area, you can go back to laws one and two. I'll go over it there. And the following is permitted. Player's number, name, team crest or logo, initiative slogans, emblems promoting the game of football, respect and integrity, as well as any advertising permitted by the competition rules, the football association, the confederation, or FIFA regulations. Also, facts of the match, so you can have the team's names, the date the competition event, the venue, such things such as that. Permitted slogans, statements, or images should be confined to the sh- front of the shirt or an armband. In some cases, the slogan, statement, or image might only appear on the captain's armband. Interpreting the Law To interpret if a slogan, statement, or image is permissible, refer to Law 12 which says if a player is guilty of using offensive, insulting, or abusive language and or action actions, or acting in a provocative or inflammatory way. If the slogan falls into any of the above, it's not permitted. Slogans, statements, or images related to the following are not permitted. Any person or persons living or dead, unless part of the official competition name, any local, regional, national, or international political party, organization, or group, any local, regional, or national government, or any of its departments, offices, or functions, any organization which is discriminatory, any organization whose aims, actions, are likely to offend a notable number of people, any specific political act or event. When commemorating significant national or international event, opposing teams, supporters, and general public sensibilities should be carefully considered. Competition rules may further restrict or limit things. Disputes should be resolved before the match or the competition starts. 6. Offenses and Sanctions If there's any offense, play is not stopped but the player is instructed to leave the field to fix it he leaves when play stops if the issues are not already fixed so if he fixes it he can just stay if he hasn't fixed it yet he when the play stops he has to go off the field and fix it before he can come back player who leaves field to fix the equipment must have the equipment checked by match official before re-entering and re-enter when permission is given by the ref It can be during the play. There's no stop. You don't need to stop the play to bring them back in. A player who enters without permission must be given a caution, a yellow card. If play is stopped to caution the player, restart is an indirect free kick from where play was stopped. If interference occurred, a direct free kick is given from the interference point. Unless it's in the penalty box or 18-yard box, then a a PK is given. That's it for rules 3 and 4. Real quick, some things of note. The show notes are on the webpage, SoccerPerspectiveForParents.com. The link will be there for the laws of the game if you want to go download it and take a look at this stuff. I've got an email up uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. parents at gmail.com. Next week will be laws five and six. These will be the referee and other match officials, like assistant referees, which are linesmen. Depending on the length of those two, I may add in law seven, but we'll see how it goes from here. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember that the kids are out there for fun, and let's have a good day.